Welcome to a special Saturday episode of This Week in the CLE, which normally is a robust discussion of the day's news by editors of Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Today, it's a discussion about music, specifically 80s music. Our pop culture guru, Troy Smith, published his list of the top 100 songs of the go-go 80s this week to get people talking, and talk they did. Everyone, it seems, has an opinion about the tunes of that music-filled decade. I'm Chris Quinn, editor of Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer, and I am joined by Troy, along with longtime pop music critic and longtime entertainment editor Mike Norman and reporter Eric Heisig, another music aficionado. Thanks, guys, for getting together to do this. Welcome. Good to be Thank here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, Troy, before we get to the debating, how about some background on this? You regularly put together intriguing lists based on music, best guitar solos, signature music from the Rock Hall inductees. I'm always amazed. and I'm re- It's hard to be amazed all the time, but I'm always amazed at how rich your descriptions are, mainly because you weren't even alive when a lot of this music was produced. Could you take us through, before we get into dissecting it, how you put this together. Where does your knowledge of this come from? How do you choose your rankings as you're putting it together? What What is the process? Oh boy, should have cracked a beer for this one. Um, so we've done every decade that I've wanted to. We did the 60s, the 70s, and the 90s. And I specifically saved the 80s because it tends to generate the most passion among people who read the list. <laughs> Um, just because I think you have this intersection of the older generations and the younger generations being able to relate somewhat to that decade. Um, you know, these lists are always fun. We try to frame everything in the context of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but even then you're really getting like 99% of the greatest artists of all time or 95%. And I just look at, you know, there's obviously quality. I listen to every song. So in total, we probably had about, I probably had about 200 songs that I listened to on my short list and then narrowed that down to 100 and and with the 80s it was easier because there's not as many hall of fame inductees as with the 70s and 60s so you did get a lot more songs from certain artists like prince and michael jackson and madonna and bruce springsteen but really it's about quality i try to look at the impact of the song uh and how it's sort of lived on over time and across multiple generations. All right. Your top five before we start. Oh man. I always forget this. Uh, so I, I know I, 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 well, I, can I know the you. top four. Uh, okay. Five was Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Uh, four was U two's where the streets have no name. Three was public enemies fight the power. Two was Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. And one was Prince purple rain. Okay. So, so Mike and, and uh, Eric, what do you think? Well, I, I definitely, I definitely think you have to look at those five artists as, as uh, almost the no-brainers of that uh, of that decade for the top top ten for sure. Um, and uh, you know, I may have, I may have pushed Whitney down a little further into the top ten than uh, than Troy um, had her, but uh, why? Just because I, 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 I think there's a, you know, like I, I kind of like. Uh, Oh, whatever some of his other top tens. I kind of like you uh, two a little more than uh, Whitney. I kind of like uh, uh, the Cure. I yeah, the Talking Heads. Oh yeah, you're a big the Cure guy, head. right? But you know, one of the one of the things Troy said in in his telling of this is 
that the passage of time has kind of bubbled up songs or reinforced their permanence. He talks about that with Purple Rain, that the, the time has proven that out. You don't think that time has proven I Want to Dance with Somebody to be one of the signature songs of the 80s? Well, I certainly think that Whitney Houston is one of the signature artists of the 80s. And what I really liked about what Tori wrote about her music was that people think of her ballads when they think of Whitney, you know, I Will Always Love You, all that, you know, and they forget that she was one of the top, you know, dance uh, artists, uh, bigger than many ways than Madonna, if to some people, uh, up there with Janet Jackson in terms of influence. Um, that's kind of where I see her her influence in the 80s, just quibbling on whether she should be top five or top ten. Eric, what do you think? Oh, I'm always going to find a problem. Um, it's pretty easy for me to find a problem. Sorry, Troy. I think in an email setting this up, uh, we talked, God, it, was, must have, it feels like years ago now, uh, and you had an issue with me uh, uh, calling out Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, I would still do that here. I, I would. Um, I, I still don't think the guy uh, belongs anywhere near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, let alone this, uh, this list. Um, wow. Strong words. Why? Why? Because I, yeah. I think he basically led to a generation of people who think they can just show off, and that really proves what the blues is, which it really, truly is not at all. Plus, he has a brother who's more entertaining than him, Jimmy, who was in the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Um, I, I think he basically was, he basically took Jimi Hendrix and said, I want to make it flashier and put none of the substance in there. Um, so th th those are my feelings on Stevie Ray Vaughan, but there's plenty of other things to talk about in here. I, I, I like the list, Troy, if only because I like arguing with people. It's what I do for a living, I feel like. Um, at the same time, I'm interested. Certainly your editor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here to, uh, you know, to back you up on this. No, um, no. I, you know, actually, I, I like that you put the cars in there. I, I like that you put a lot of these bands. It's just, you know, every time I look at one of these lists, I'm like, oh, shoot, why didn't you put this one instead of that one? You know, Prince, for example, you put Purple Rain, but you didn't put my favorite, which, you know, is really the right answer. I could never take the place of your man. 1987, Sign of the Times, Troy. What? And uh, That's not even my, you know, my favorite song from Sign of the Times, personally, is uh, If I Was Your Boyfriend, but um, girlfriend, right? <laughs> yeah, girlfriend. I think that, uh, you know, it, it, you personally, it's hard to personalize the songs. Um, I don't think uh, I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man is a signature Prince song. So it just, you know, it didn't really register with me. Um, but neither but, is Erotic City, but that's still on the list. Well, let me tell you something about Erotic City. You should leave Erotic City alone, okay? <laughs> you don't. We don't talk about Erotic City. <laughs> Uh, I like how Chris asked about the top five and just to show you Eric's disdain for Stevie Ray Vaughan, he jumped all the way to like, whatever that is like number 85. It's like 60, <laughs> right? It's like way down, but, but, but it's good. But Eric, talk about the top five. What, what would be your top three or top five or top one? You know, it's going to actually, and, and, and I think Troy would attest this too. If he made this list five years from now, it may be completely different than what he put together uh, today. Um, I just think that's, you know, a part of how you live, part of what you end up listening to then. Like, I'm going through a jazz phase right now. Not that jazz would end up on this list, but that certainly informs, you know, any list I'm going to make right now. 
Um, that said, I think I would put Fight the Power by Public Enemy in the top five. I don't know if I can... <sighs> I probably will put Pride in the Name of Love before this U2 song. Um, I think, and this is a little... It's not obscure, but it's probably not as big of a hit, but it's probably just as relevant now uh, as it was then. Uh, People Have the Power by uh, Patti Smith, which was in 1984. Um, that would probably be in my top five right now. R.E.M. would probably be Fall On Me. And let's see, what can I round this out with? I don't know. What do you, yeah, Troy seems to base his on signature songs of these bands. And you're, you're picking some that are a little more obscure. So you're, how are you defining what the top hundred are? Uh, because it sounds like you have a different set of standards than Troy does. Right. I, I think my standards are probably what I like and not what is culturally relevant. Uh, you know, limiting myself to the rock hall would actually probably prove problematic because my taste in music probably goes a lot beyond who actually ended up getting inducted and things like that. Um, and he's probably wise to do it just by, you know, he's probably wise to do it through cultural impact and relevance. Um Whereas I end up basing a lot of lists on what I prefer to be listening to, what I should be listening to, what I am listening to. Um, and maybe I, it's just the way I view music is a little more insular and maybe a little bit devoid of the, you know, where it was on the charts. Troy. All right. I, I, Troy, I was wondering, ahead, like, REM frequently is considered one of the signature uh, bands of the uh, of the 80s and your first entry for them is at 24 why don't they speak to you quite as much as uh, maybe others um i just think they're for me rem's uh two best songs are from the 90s um i'm a big night swimming guy uh losing my religion obviously was a huge record so if i was ranking the top 10 rem songs i think the 80s would probably peak it you know maybe three but but certainly four but then as erica attests to you also get to the type of rem fan you are fall on me if you pulled the hardcore rem fans rem fans that would probably be their favorite song um but if you pulled the general public you know, losing my religion would be their, their top song got it or it's the end of the world as we know it right so troy i want i said i'd weigh in on a couple of things i wanted to ask about and I'm from New Jersey, so obviously my first is going to be about Bruce Springsteen. And I, you know, the 80s were a great decade for Bruce Springsteen. I mean, it started out with The River, which has some great tunes, many great tunes on it. One of my favorite, I think, is on that, the uh, Out in the Street. You had um, Atlantic City come out on the Nebraska album later in the decade. You had Tunnel of Love, which I think has some beautiful songs on it. But you gave high rating to Born in the USA, which... I respect Born in the USA for the reasons you you discuss it. But when I'm thinking of the tunes by Bruce Springsteen I want to listen to, that's really not one of them. I mean, he does a, a couple of different acoustic versions of it that I actually like a good bit, but it's just not, that's not the one. And yet, I believe, I could be wrong, you might have had something higher. That's one of the highest rated of the, the songs you had for Bruce Springsteen for the 80s. And I was just looking to hear you talk about that a little bit. You know, Bruce is hard. That was his highest rated song on my list for sure. Um, I also, he had three songs. He had that, Atlantic City, and The River. Um, and I really, really had a hard time eliminating uh, Brilliant Disguise, which is my favorite song from Tunnel of Love. But see, with Bruce, it's weird because 
and I want to point out in the blurb I wrote for Born in the USA, I think the first line is there's a decent chance you hate Born in the USA. <laughs> yeah, I know. You did. you did. I feel like for Bruce fans, that's not even close to the Bruce song that you want. I like Bruce's 70s stuff better than his 80s stuff. But anyway, um, but Born in the USA is this sort of shocking pop song for him that really elevated him to the level of some of these other artists in the 80s that it's kind of surprising when you really look at it that he got to, to be honest. But Bruce, Born in the USA is a song you can play for people that don't like Bruce Springsteen that they'll tolerate or they might even like. Whereas if I put 10 seconds of the river on for my wife, she would punch me in the face and <laughs> just like turn this <laughs> off. Um, and I think they're similar to you too, where if you love you too, you dig into these songs that are just so over the top emotional, um, where Eric even talks about, like, I like Pride in the Name of the Love. Uh, it's a great song. But, you know, some of the, the bigger U2 songs that are so indulgent, U2 fans, just they use them as why they hate U2. And I think Springsteen's similar. I just think Born in USA is just an amazing track. I know Eric hates the drums, but it's, uh, to me, it's a classic. There's an. Yeah, Eric, you do have strong feelings about this one, I believe. I think we've talked about this before. You know, actually, I saw him do Born in the USA live in the version on Born in the USA when I saw him in 2016, and it was actually a highlight of the concert for me. It's not my favorite song, but I think I would end up agreeing with Chris a little bit that there are probably other, you know, I think there actually are songs on Born in the USA that you could put on um and, you know, could even get the non-Bruce fans to enjoy it. I think Born in the USA is actually one of the Bruciest Bruce songs there is. It's got him shouting. It's got those gigantic drums. And it's got basically his earnestness um, really set to 11. Uh, Dancing in the Dark, for example, is probably even the bigger hit on that album. And in terms of cultural impact, you know, I think actually did have a lot more uh, did have a lot, did a lot more than Born in the USA ever did, right down to the video with Courtney Cox in it. And Mike, what, what, let's round out the Bruce discussion. What Look, I love Born in the USA. I'm with Troy. I like I like Bruce's '70s stuff a lot better than his than his '80s material. Um, and probably in the '90s, one of the few critics that gave uh, Lucky Town and Human Touch bad reviews. Um, but I I just think it's it's like when he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he said that. Born to Run was him grabbing for the brass ring of songwriting and that Born in the USA uh, was his sort of grand statement of rock and roll. So I, I just look at it that way. It's a great tune. I can see why people don't like it because it's a bit uh, uh, arena rocky for, uh, for Bruce, who is ironically the ultimate arena rocker in my opinion. So. All right. So, so Mike, whenever we talk about music, you somehow figure out a way to weasel in the cure. Um, the cure figures into Troy's list, but probably not nearly as high as you would like it. So, so it'd be interesting to hear why Mike, you place so va so much value in them. I'm not denigrating them. It's great. It's good music. And what, why Troy doesn't give them a better so ride. So I think some of the best music that's made is music that, that it's, that's dark and, and in, like poppy at the same time and there it, to me there's no band uh better than the cure uh of mixing dark emotion and 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 brilliant pop 
uh, melody. And even even in a way, dark melody and you know upbeat uh, uh, upbeat um, lyrics. I think the forest is one of the greatest live songs you'll ever see. If you see the the Cure play the forest, and it's on Troy's list, is one of the greatest live live tunes you can hear. Um, I just think it's a uh, you know it, it, that it took him that long to be inducted into the Rock Hall is kind of a a travesty in my opinion. Like Delusional, listen, just like <laughs> just like Heaven's like number six on the list. So yeah. I'm huge on the Cure, yeah. and but- he wants it higher. But listen. When I did the top 10, one and two stayed the same. That was done. That was good. They were going to be one or two. Um, three and f- three stayed the same as well with Fight the Power. I moved a lot of the four through 10 around. You know, I had a hard time with those group of songs. But I, I'm as high on The Cure as Mike. Um, I just, you know, it's it's hard with a lot of these acts. There's people, there's people that'll put three Prince songs in the top 10. You know, um, three Michael Jackson songs in the top ten. Um, so some of these artists just had amazing decades, and The Cure are great. Uh, and I thought I did a pretty good job. I think they had three songs. Um, I, I think you did so, a great job. In fact, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue. You guys you're just trying to bump Whitney. You're <laughs> just trying to bump Whitney further down because you don't want to <laughs> dance with somebody. All, all right. right. Let me ask you this: You get up in the top of the of the story. You you talk a little bit about okay, this isn't really a a top songs of the '80s because we're only dealing with rock and roll hall of famers here. Are there any songs by the bands like that you mentioned? The Eurythmics, Devo, Cyndi Lauper, Tina Turner, Joy Division, New Order that aren't in the rock hall? Are there any '80s songs that would have made your top ten that just oh, Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart? That would have been top ten for sure. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Yeah, Tina Turner. Would have any of her stuff? About top she really not the rock hall? She's in with Ike. Yeah, she's not. She's in with Ike, not as those. Yeah, but not, not individual. Uh, George Michael. I'm trying to think of some of these tracks. Um, but definitely the, the Joy Division song. Um, and then there's off songs that artists that I, you know, a lot of those artists I do think should be in the rock hall. But then there's artists like the Human League or someone like that who has a tremendous song songs from the decade that I would have made a list if we didn't limit it to the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. Troy, I, I had a question too, actually, on this. So, you know, I actually do understand to a certain extent the top 10 and how you do that. But I, I think after that, if I'm not mistaken, you did were able to take some liberties with some of the songs. And I was kind of interested in how you felt about certain artists that you know are established. They are you know, if you think of maybe the top 10 rock artists of all time, we're talking like Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, you know, they put out songs in the 80s. I'm not going to defend, you know, certain some of, some of them, certain of them, but a few of them, you know, they did put a lot of stuff. They may have not been the biggest hits, but I may end up putting a song like Not Dark Yet by Bob Dylan in the top 100, even if it wasn't maybe the big as big of a hit as you might have uh, he might have had in the 70s or 60s. Similar to Paul McCartney, who did not have a lot of hits in the 80s, but he still put out some great music during that decade. How did that kind of factor in with maybe some of those legacy artists who may have put music out, but maybe didn't have the cultural impact that they would have had they been released 10 or 20 years earlier? Uh, you know, I think when he, some of those artists made, you know, my short list when I put together the 200 or so. And at the end of the day, I think it's really hard to force yourself to put Paul McCartney's 20th best song or Bob Dylan's 30th best song ahead of um, 
you know, another artist's best song that might have come out or best one or two songs that might have come out in the 80s. Um, I, don't, I don't think I really fell into too many uh, holes, like an act that was huge in the 60s or even the 70s that might have had a great song in the 80s that, that would have made the list. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that did make the list or would have made the list. Maybe the Rolling Stones, All right, so- uh, like, uh, you know, Start Me Up. Like that 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 was on there, something like that. All right, so I was surprised, Troy, to see uh, U2's "Bad" on the list. Not not in a yeah. bad way. I was. It's, uh, I love that song, and I love it for exactly the reason you discuss it, which was their performance of it at Live Aid. It was it was one of those things that kind of took me aback. You you knew that you know outside of Queen, this was one of the biggest moments of that of that show and to i mean i i had a bootleg version of that that i played and played and played until it didn't play anymore um and but it got me thinking about you know you're you're using a lot of recorded tracks but if i were able to include live tracks like live tracks from live aid there's probably four things that came out of live aid that day that would make my number one. I mean, it was, that was an, a spectacular day of live music where bands did a whole lot of cool things. Um, and I, I just was interested in how, how you came to know about the, the, the performance of Live Aid, how you came to know about that song and, and, you know, how this list might be different if it were pegged completely to live performances. I think like Mike said, with like the cures, um, the forest, that's a tremendous live song. Don't even get me started on, you know, if we included live songs, probably get a hundred emails from Grateful Dead fans telling me the exact date and time of their favorite <laughs> live recording of some Grateful Dead song. Uh, as far as Live Aid, I'm very familiar with a lot of the Live Aid performances. Um, and, and, and sometimes you can't separate a song from a live performance in terms of its legacy, you get that with U2's bad. Like if you, if I thought Radio Gaga was like a, was one of the best 80s songs, like that, you know, image of Freddie Mercury, you know, fist pumping in the crowd, going crazy at Live Aid, uh, plays into that. Um, so yeah, I, I always try to eliminate live songs right off the bat because anything I could do to make the criteria less complex um, <laughs> is is always good when you're dealing with this sort of list of this magnitude and this many worthy songs. <laughs> it would be interesting though if you were to put together a top ten or top twenty of the best one song live performances from the eighties. How that would look? It would be because I don't know that it would match very closely to the list you have now. I mean, Prince would be there, I suspect, but. Not sure Michael Jackson would be, for instance. We have or, the Motown it, it special. Just, I think that might, I don't remember if that was the seventies or eighties where he first. That was the eighties, yeah. It was the eighties. Um, so he would have had that on there. Obviously, U two, but like Public Enemy, I can't can't think of a live performance that they had that sticks out. What do you think, Mike? Live performance is the next up well, on Troy's list. I mean, that live Bruce album that came out, uh, the live box. How many of those actual performances, like that version of Hometown on that, I'll, I love that. But uh, um, that'd be one of them I think you could consider for some uh, classic tracks. Yeah, I think about half of that because I was like live 75 to 85. So probably half of those. Yeah, yeah there's the iconic 80s. moments like Madonna's Like a Virgin um, at the MTV VMAs. Um, you know, how do you weigh those those type of things in there? 
Yeah, you had said earlier that you you struggled when you took off the uh, the tune from Tunnel of Love. What other tunes did you struggle to remove? Yeah, what I mean, was the I top two hundred? I I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I cried myself to sleep over Earth, Wind, and Fire September. I, um like that's like one of those like put that on and i'm good like if i'm at a bar like okay you know no one hate on september from earth wind and fire that that was a very difficult one and i had a what was the there was a prince i had another prince song on there that i wound up eliminating and now for some reason i can't remember what it was Is it she's always in my hair? Because that's 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 top ten for me, probably. It was not. It was not. She's always in my hair. Prince has the most songs considered for sure. Um, You know that that Earth, Wind, and Fire conversation makes me think. uh, So I've DJed for about fifteen years. I DJed at weddings, and so you you get burned out on songs. And September was a song that, as a wedding DJ, you just get burned out on. Um, you said you got um, notes from Journey fans about uh, don't. Did you tell me don't stop believing or 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 something where it was just overplayed? Oh me? They, yeah, where people were hating on it because it was overplayed. Did you get emails? No, from I didn't get. I didn't get any emails from Journey fans. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of the '80s. I don't think I got. Any, I haven't gotten any negative emails yet. Um, like when we did oh i i i sent it out on subtext today my text message account and i and i heard from some people like where was thriller and and with the carl turner some of that former editor (laughs) every list that didn't have thriller the song um but but they largely i mean largely people agree with you um and like the list and like debating it and and there were people that were 100 percent behind you on your number one um, there wasn't a whole lot of that. There were some people that thought Land of Confusion should be no, in there. No, no, um, no, 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 <laughs> no. That was, that was multiple. Think, multiple people brought that up Genesis on their own, fans, which I thought like was That era of Genesis fans? Oh. I'm surprised. Yeah. Like, I'm always surprised um, that when you do a list and then I'm waiting for the response, what people complain about, multiple people, shocks me sometimes. <laughs> Like that—that's the yeah. Because I wouldn't—I wouldn't have even thought about that. I mean, the land of confusion—that just wouldn't have been one of the ones that I would be thinking. Ooh, I got to squeeze that one in. But you know, and I think part of it is based on what's going on in 2020. <laughs> that title is the frame of reference to what we are living in. But it was—it uh, was an interesting, interesting list. No, actually, we haven't had much much blowback at all. I think people enjoyed it, and uh, like I said at the top, it's one that has has caused lots of, of debate. So it's been a, been a positive one. Well, listen, guys, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to talk about the list, uh, check it out on cleveland.com. You do have to be a paying subscriber to read this one. It's an exclusive to people who subscribe to either the print edition or our website. Uh, thank you, Troy, for, for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Eric. This week in the CLE, we'll return with a regular episode on Monday. <laughs>